Welcome to the Qalam Institute Podcast. You're listening to Lives of the Prophets by Mufti Hussein Kamani. Imagine spending two weeks, every day, morning and evening, with the Prophets of Allah. That's the vision behind Sirah Intensive. Every year, over a hundred people from all over the world come together to spend two weeks immersed in learning about the life and character of the Messenger of Allah, Muhammad wasallam. Sign up and get more information at sirahintensive.com. That's S-E-E-R-A-H intensive.com. So first things first, what was his father's name? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an, وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ آزَرَ أَتَتَّخِذُ أَصْنَامًا آلِهَا إِنِّي أَرَاكَ وَقَوْمُكَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ In Surah An'am, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And when Ibrahim salam said to his father, Azar. So therefore, many people assume that Ibrahim salam's father's name was Azar. Is this the opinion of the majority or not? Majority of the scholars hold the opinion that his father's name was not Azar. His father's name was? What did I say? No. It was not Azar. And Ibn Kathir rahmatullahi he states the Jamhur, wa Jamhur ahl nasabi minhum ibn Abbas, ala a majority of the scholars of the ahl nasab, ahl nasab means those who understand lineage, right? And including amongst Ibn Abbas are of the opinion that his father's name was not Azar. So if his father's name isn't Azar, then who is Azar? So, one group of scholars, they say, even though it wasn't his name, it became his laqab, it became his nickname. People called him by Azar. Now, why did they call him by Azar? There are three opinions of this issue. The first reason why they called him Azar as a laqab is because there was an idol that they worshipped by the name of Azar, and he used to worship that idol excessively. And because he used to worship that idol excessively, they also began to call him Azar, that this person is the one who is like Azar because he worships that idol so much. The second opinion is, the reason why they called him Azar as a laqab, was because Azar means in their foreign language, the lover of idols. And because he used to love idols, he was a carpenter, he used to actually make them. And because he made them and he had such love for them, he gave such attention to making them, he was a prominent person. Now, there were many idol makers, but he was someone who was well respected because of the, the attention he gave to his, to his makings. That's why they called him Azar. The third opinion is the reason why they called him Azar, the laqab, is because Azar means a person with less understanding. A foolish person, if you wish to say. And because he was blind and realizing that what he was making is what he was worshipping, therefore he was called Azar, someone who was foolish and not understanding. Some scholars say that it was actually his uncle. Some scholars say Azar wasn't his father, it was actually who? It was his uncle. And this is a large opinion amongst us, a powerful, a strong opinion, greatly supported opinion amongst the Mufassirin. They say the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, however, if it's his uncle, then why is Allah saying, Abihi, if it is his uncle, the Quran should say, with qala Ibrahim azar. And remember the moment when Ibrahim said to his uncle Azar, but the Quran doesn't say Ammihi, it says Abihi. So the reason is because he spent so much of his life with his father, with his uncle that his uncle was like his father. And this is actually a common practice that in many cultures, even in our culture, that you don't call your uncle, uncle, your father's older brother, you call him, Barebba. What does Barebba mean? 
like older father, like father. You call the am like the father. You say, this is my father. In many languages, this is a common practice. And so is here that the Arabs, they're referring to the uncle as the father because they are similar in that, in that, in that, in that ranking. Now, some scholars, they say the reason why it seems, that, now this is the third issue. Some scholars say that it seems like Azar was his father, but we feel more comfortable saying that Azar was his uncle because we know that Azar was not a believer and him not being a believer is, a bad, is bad for the reputation or affects the image of Ibrahim You understand that? That's why some scholars have taken this approach of saying that Azar was not his father, it was his uncle, is because they say that Azar we know died outside Islam. Okay, that's established in the Qur'an. So, um, therefore, فَلَمَّا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ أَنَّهُ عَدُوُّ لِلَّهِ تَبَرَّأَ مِنْ As the Qur'an says, that when it became apparent to Ibrahim that, that, that he was an enemy of Allah, he repented or he cleared himself of any um, promises he made to that individual, which I'll talk about up ahead. Okay? So that's why they say that this is why it's important to say that Azar was his uncle and not his father, because Azar was not a believer, and saying that his father was not a believer would affect the image of Ibrahim now this particular approach is faulty. The reason is because first and foremost, the Qur'an clearly says that it was his father. And if you're going to take the mana from what's zahir to a ghair zahir, and a, 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 like a kinaya, if you wish to take it from a... If the Qur'an is saying something very clearly, and you want to change that clear meaning to a non-unclear meaning, say that oh, the father refers to the uncle, you have to have solid grounds for it. What's the reasoning for it? And saying that it gives a bad image to him that his father was a non-believer is not solid grounds for making that sort of a change in linguistics. The second thing is that Ibrahim salam's father being a kafir does not affect Ibrahim salam in any way. Ibrahim salam's father being a kafir does not affect Ibrahim salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran regarding Ibrahim salam, وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَى وَأَنَّ سَعَيَهُ سَوْفَ يُرَى وَأَلَّا تَزِرُ وَازِرَةٌ وَزَرَ أُخْرَى وَأَلَّيْسَ لِلْإِنسَانِ إِلَّا مَا سَعَى In Surah Al-Najm, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, No person will carry another person's burden. You know, this is not... Uh, in Christianity, this is a common thing. Every child is born in sin. And as Muslims know, every person is born pure. كُلُّ مَوْلُودٍ يُولَدُ عَلَى الْفِتْرَةِ And... You know, you have to realize that you don't carry the sins of your father, you don't carry the sins of your children. And not only sins, even when it comes to physical things. If a father owns, if a father owes a debt of $10,000, and he dies, and he leaves behind no assets, does his son inherit that debt in Islam? No, not at all. The son does not inherit the debt of his father. No one inherits that debt. What happens to the people who were unpaid? They will have to deal with this on the Day of Judgment now. But as of today, you cannot go to their children and say, give me money. If he leaves behind money, then you take the money from the, from the waratha, whatever he's left behind, you take it. But if he leaves behind no money, if the guy leaves behind squat, zero, you can't go to the next generation. So Ibrahim salam's father not being a Muslim does not affect him. And as we know, a prophet can be born from a kafir, and can also give birth to a kafir too. As in the story of Nuh salam, right? We see in his story that he gave birth to a child who was a disbeliever in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It does not affect their image in any way. So if his father's name was not Azar, then what was his name? Um, some scholars say his name was Tarikh, Tarikh, Utata, Tarikh. But the most common and the most supported opinion in this matter is that his father's name was Tarikh, not a Kha, Rih. And the reason why the opinion Tarikh even exists is because that's a mispronunciation. I don't want to say mispronunciation. It's a variation of pronouncing the word Tarikh. 
So tarih and tarikh. You know how, you know, sometimes in the Arabs as well, instead of qaf, they'll say gah. Have you guys heard that before? Quran. And like in India as well, instead of qaf, they say kha, khuran. Right? So this mispronunciation. This is an example of that too. Tarikh, they pronounce it as tarikh. And Imam Qadi al-Baydabi, who was a famous commentator of the Quran, he says, anna tarikh ismahu, that his name was tarikh. وَآزَرُ وَصْفَهُ And Azar was a characteristic of his. And as I mentioned earlier, the meanings of Azar, you will then slot them in right here. That's his father. Who was his mother? It is narrated by Ishaq bin Bishr al-Kahili, the author of the book Al-Mubtada. He says that his mother's name was Umayla. Umayla was Ibrahim salam's mother's name. Ibrahim salam had three brothers. There were three brothers altogether. He had two other brothers. There were three brothers altogether. The first of them, his name was Nahur. The second of them, his name was Haran. And Haran passed away during the life of his father. While their father was still alive, he passed away. And Haran is also the father of Sayyidina Lut Right? Haran is the father of Sayyidina Lut And then the third is Ibrahim Ibrahim was born as narrated by... Um, um, the, the historians and Ibn Kathir Ali also quotes this. Ibrahim salam was born when his father was 75 years old. When his father was 75 years old. Um, Ikrima says that he was known as Abu Zifan, the father of the host. Meaning because he was such a generous person. Ibrahim salam had generosity inside him. And he was, he was generous in every aspect. When it came to feeding people, it is said that he was a very generous person. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually talks about his generosity in the Qur'an. That when the angels came to him in the form of human beings, he had no idea they were angels. He had no idea these were angels that came in front of him. When they came in front of him in the form of human beings, he said to them, why don't you guys come inside and let me go prepare a meal. Ibrahim salam threw the apron on and he barbecued for them. What did Ibrahim alayhi salam do? He was, on a, he was a griller. He, was a, he had that love for grilling and, and he brought that. فَجَاءَ بِعِجْلٍ سَمِينٍ فَقَرَّبَهُ إِلَيْهِمْ فَقَالَ أَلَا تَأْكُلُونَ فَأَوْجَسَ مِنْهُمْ خِيفَةً قَالُوا لَا تَخَفْ He brought the food forward and said, Here, here are the ribs. Enjoy yourself. Barbecue sauce. They said, We don't eat. And he's like, If they don't eat, that means these people are angels. And he became worried that the angels came to him now, meaning something was going to happen. And he said, What's happening? Where are you guys going? They said, We're not here for you. However, we're on the way to your nephew's community, Lut alayhi salam's community. They've been doing a lot of hanky-panky. And they're in a lot of trouble right now. And we're going there right now. So Ibrahim alayhi salam asked him, he said, is my nephew Lut in trouble too? He asked him. He said, قَالَ فَمَا خَطْبُكُمْ أَيُّهَا الْمُرْسَلُونَ قَالُوا إِنَّا أُرْسِلْنَا إِلَىٰ قَوْمٍ مُجْرِمِينَ إِلَّا آلَ He said, however, Lut and a few family members of his, they're, they're okay. But everyone else... Except for his wife and everyone else, they're in a lot of trouble right now. These people have been doing a lot of bad stuff. So this is Ibrahim salam, a very generous person. Where was Ibrahim salam born? There are two opinions on this issue. The first opinion is that he was born in Damascus, in a city by the name of Barzah. In the city, uh, He was born in a city known as Barzah. Near a mountain known as Qasiyun. This is where Ibrahim was born. However, the second opinion, which is a more common opinion, is that he was born in Babylon, 
which is the northern part of Iraq, if you wish to say. This is where Ibrahim was born. When Ibrahim was born, the people who he was living with, what religion did they follow? The religion they followed was one in which they worshipped idols along with uh, the stars too. So they worshipped stars. That's why you'll notice in Ibrahim salam's journey, his attention is in understanding the solar system because that's what they worship, and also in understanding the idols. He's trying to understand both things simultaneously. It's because these are the things that the people are worshipping. يَعْبُدُونَ الْكَوَاكِ Everyone on the face of the earth was a disbeliever, and his community in particular worshipped idol, worship idols, and they worshipped stars. Ibrahim salam is mentioned by name in the Qur'an close to 70 times. Almost 70 times he's mentioned in the Qur'an. And his mention comes in 25 surahs. From a young age, Ibrahim salam is a very smart person. He sees that his father is a carpenter and he's making the idols. And Ibrahim salam was a son, so his father would send him to the market to sell the idols. He would think to himself, my father is making the idols in front of me and I have to sell them. You know, a person who is so close to the system sees the corruption. People from outside the system don't see the corruption. Okay? You go to any person and ask them regarding the industry they're involved with and they'll tell you the corruption of that industry. Even the masajid. If you ask the people who are involved in the masajid, how are the masjids function, they'll come and tell you that this is this, this is that, this is this. And the people who don't attend the masjid so regularly, they think to themselves, oh my God, the masjid is such a beautiful place. But when they come nearby, they realize the organization and the, and the, and the management is having problems. There was one particular masjid that I, that I was told about recently. They had um, someone rigged the elections of the masjid. Can you believe that? I thought that was an Al Gore thing, Right? Someone rigged the elections of the masjid. That brother was so excited. He really wanted to be the president of the masjid. So they rigged it. They had like a few hundred uh, false ballots put in place and everything. And I thought to myself, Allahu Akbar. When they found out, they sued him. He countersued them. Right now, what I was told recently, as last time I was told, they've already spent millions of dollars in legal fees. And the court had to appoint a body to manage the institute because both parties were being resolved of their responsibilities. They were both dissolved of their responsibilities, both removed of their responsibilities, and they appointed a third party body to manage the masjid. And the most ajeeb thing is, the people managing the masjid, the brother said, subhanAllah, the masjid is being functioned so well, since all the board is gone. And since this new body is there to function the masjid, it's doing so much more better. The most amazing thing is, the arbitrary board appointed by the court, they're not Muslim. The people managing the masjid are not even Muslim. And the masjid, the community members are saying, oh, we're loving it so much, it's so peaceful here. So when you, become, when you come very close to something, you begin to see the flaws of it. And this is in every single, even in the madrasa system, you go to, for example, the, the, cook system, the food system, the food industry, and the, and, the, and the slaughtering industry, and the bank industry, every industry you go to, the closer you get, what do you realize? That there's something wrong here. That's why... Marana Makki Hijazi Saab, some of you may know him. Um, he, he once said in a lecture, he said something, he's a very hilarious guy, he's a funny guy. He said one day in a lecture, that I encourage you to learn from scholars, but don't sit with them in their private time. <laughs> I encourage you to learn from scholars, but don't sit with them in their... 
And then someone said to him, Shaykh, but isn't there a virtue in that same lecture? Someone said to him, Shaykh, but isn't there a virtue in serving the ulama? He said, huh? Maybe to ulama ki juti uthane ke liye alim bata pele. Right? He said, I'm willing to pick up the, the shoes of scholars too, but first go and bring me a real alim. Right? Alim, not alim. Alim with alif means taklif dene wala. Alim means a knowledgeable person. Show me a real alim, someone who has knowledge, and I'll come and serve that person too. So, um, when it comes to the story of Ibrahim salam, he was a very intelligent person from a young age. And he's close to the system. We're talking about being close to the system. That's why the Arabic poet, he says, um, I ask you to live far away from me so that we can love each other. I ask you to live far away from me so that we can be close to one another. Now you think to yourself, that sounds like an oxymoron. How can you live too close to one another if you're so far? But what he's saying is that when you live far away from me, he's telling whoever he's telling, whether he's telling his newly married son and his daughter-in-law, that you guys should live in the next city over. So that way when we meet each other infrequently, we'll love each other more. But if we're going to wake up every morning and look at each other's faces, and you know, we're going to fight and argue every day, we're going to end up hating each other. And that's why the Arabic poet also says, Zur tazdud hubban. Visit infrequently, you will find your love to increase. Visit zur Visit Infrequently, tazdud hubban, your love will also increase. So Ibrahim salam being so close to the system, after seeing this, it was a practice amongst them that before they would eat, they would take these idols, they would take the food and they would place it in front of the idols. I don't know why, maybe for barakah purposes or whatever it was. So they would go put that food there and then they would eat it afterwards. And Ibrahim is watching it all. He's thinking to himself, these idols are being elevated so high, they're being honored so much. People are asking them for all their needs and guidance and weddings and sacrificing animals for them and children are being named after them and food is being given for them. And he says, I've seen it. These things are born, are made of clay. My father makes them. So if there's anyone that should be worshipped, it should be Azar. Because he's the one who's actually, to a degree, he's a khaliq. They're the makhluk. Khaliq means the creator, the maker, right? And they're the makhluk, the creation. The makhluk isn't creating anything. So he's finding this logic to be very faulty of how they're worshipping idols. So Ibrahim salam begins to question as a young man. He starts questioning his father. He starts questioning the community. He starts questioning the Mawlvi sahab, Mufti sahab in his community. What's going on here? Now it's important to know that a young, ma- a young mind will ask. A young mind will ask. And it's not about right or wrong, it's because they're inquisitive. And Ibrahim was inquisitive, he wanted to know. And when answers are not given appropriately, those young minds will then wander off. You have to make sure you ground them down properly. I think I've said this before in a lecture, but I'll say it again today for this crowd sitting here. One of the things that bothers me the most, and I've seen this happen so regularly in the past few months. You know, in the past few months, I've dealt with no less than 12 cases no, last three, four months maybe, 12 cases like this, where young men and women who are hafid of the Qur'an claim openly they're no longer Muslim. No less than 12 cases I've dealt with in the last three months. No less than this. And each time those parents are crying and they're broken in tears and their hearts are broken and the parents are just so broken. They're sitting in my living room with me or I'm visiting them and they're so heartbroken. And they say to me, Mufti Sahib, how did this happen? I gave my child everything. And I say to them, you gave them, but when they asked you, you didn't respond to them. Many of these young men and women, they go to HIV schools. And this is my grievance with HIV schools. And I say this to wherever my voice can reach. 
you have to realize that you cannot only train a parrot. Children who are memorizing the Qur'an should have a spiritual transformation. There needs to be a spiritual component to memorizing the Qur'an. Because if there isn't, they have knowledge that's like a mountain, but tarbiyah and upbringing that's not even like the soil of the ground. There's, a dip, there's that big of a distance. And they don't realize the responsibility they carry, and they give a bad name to their religion and their tradition. And because they've been kept away from the social environment for three or four years, when they enter into that environment again, they feel like they need to catch up on all the things they've missed out on. And that's when you see these kids going crazy, going insane, doing things that are unbelievable. And I know some of you may feel like this is a rant. It is a rant. That's exactly what this is right now. It's me sharing something that we as a community need to deal with. Everywhere you find a Hifth program, you must go to that community and encourage them to also include within it an ilm program. Even if it's only half an hour a day. Stories of the Prophet, some spiritual development, seerah of the Prophet So there's also some development that goes along with it. Not too long back, there was a, there was a sister who I, who, I was, who I was contacted by. This is not too long back, very recent actually, very recent. And she said to me that my son, two days ago, he posted on his social media that he is an atheist. So I said to her, you know, let's just talk with him. So she came to my hotel. I was traveling out of state, so they came to my hotel lobby. We sat there. I literally almost missed my flight because of this, okay, because we sat there for so long. We sat there for so long, so long, so long. This brother, subhanAllah, such a good person, amazing heart. Wallahi ladhi ma kidura, amazing heart. And I mean this, okay, because I spoke to the guy. Hafid of the Qur'an, on the MSA, the religious chair of the MSA. And you're thinking to yourself, what's going on here? Okay? And I sat with him and I asked him, what's going on? And you know what he said to me? He said to me, Shaykh, when I was in Hiv's class, I asked my teacher a question. Does Allah really exist? I asked my teacher a question, does Allah really exist? And this is a very natural question. People ask this question, does Allah exist? And he said, my teacher slapped me on the back of the head and said, Sabaki Adkar. My teacher dismissed my, 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 inquiry, my inquiry altogether. Slapped me on the back of the head and said, keep reading your lesson. And he said, after that day, I never asked that question again. And that question just ate away at me, and it ate away at me, and it ate away at me, until I'm sitting here right now, and the only thing I can say is that I actually have no faith in me anymore. That's my situation right now. Right? So, um, we have to realize that young people will ask questions. And we as a community need to be ready to respond to them. If as parents you cannot respond, lead them to the teachers. If as a HIVS class teacher, your qualification is in HIVS only, and you do not have the skill set to answer kids the way they need to be answered, forward them to the leaders of the community, the scholars of the community, the da'is of the community, and get their questions answered. You know, there should be resources out there. We need to have resources for young men and women in our community to reach out to like hotlines if you wish to say, or email addresses where they can email their questions and get their questions cleared altogether. So this is um, something when it comes to Ibrahim alayhi salam's story. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala references Ibrahim alayhi salam's intellect in the Qur'an. Allah says in Surah Al-Anbiya, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ رُشْدَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ That we blessed, we gave Ibrahim alayhi salam rushd. What does rushd mean? Rushd means hudahu, his guidance. Meaning from a young age. Min qabl means earlier on. From earlier on in his life, he was already thinking. Okay. What does this mean, min qabl? From earlier on, what is that? When the Quran says, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ رُشْدَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ That indeed we granted Ibrahim salam intelligence earlier on. What does that mean? So, the first opinion is, مِنْ قَبْلِ أَيْ مِنْ قَبْلِ النُّبُوَّةِ 
that even before he became a prophet, he was already thinking about great matters like a prophet would think. And according to another opinion, min qabl a min qabli Musa wa Harun, that even before Musa and Harun came, before these great prophets that came who come afterwards, Ibrahim was already on this great thought and on this mission of understanding what's going on. So what does Ibrahim do? Now that his mind is thinking and he's trying to understand what's going on, he starts reflecting into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, وَكَذَٰلِكَ نُرِي إِبْرَاهِيمَ مَلَكُوتَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَلِيَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُوْقِنِينَ And similarly, we showed Ibrahim salam the dominions of the heavens and the earth so that he may be a believer. What does this mean? What does this mean that Ibrahim salam saw the heavens and the earth and their malakut, their dominion, their kingdom? So Ibn Juraj narrates from Qasim who narrates from Ibrahim, Ibrahim al-Nakha'i who says that that فُرِّجَتْ لَهُ السَّمَاوَاتِ السَّبْعِ That the seven heavens were opened up for him. فَنَظَرَ إِلَيْهِنَّ حَتَّى إِنْتَهَا الْعَرْشِ That everything in the heavens opened up for him until he saw the arsh itself, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَفُرِّجَتْ لَهُ الْأَرْضُونَ And the earth was opened up for him. فَنَظَرَ إِلَيْهِنَّ And then he saw within them. وَرَآ مَكَانَهُ فِي الْجَنَّةِ And he saw his place in paradise. So now he's seeing malakuta samawati wal ard waliyakuna min al muqinin. He's witnessed firsthand. Now, after Ibrahim salam witnesses this, he realizes that I've got the knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa taala blessed me. I have to do something about this. Now, what does Ibrahim salam do? He starts off with those people that are close to him, family members, friends, and in particular his his father. He's always going at his father. Very respectfully, don't get me wrong, very respectfully, but he's addressing his father again and again. Now, many people, they're under this assumption that Ibrahim salam had one huge discussion with his father. Because in Surah Maryam, from verse number 41 to 50, you find that there are verses, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ صِدِّيقًا and in these verses, Allah talks about a conversation that Ibrahim had with his father, Azar or Tarih, whatever name you're going to use. Okay? But the truth is that he didn't have one conversation with his father. Like any person, he had multiple conversations. You want to get married to someone, your father says no, you speak once, you speak twice, you speak thrice, and then maybe there's going to be that big conversation. So the, the, the incident in Surah Maryam is like the big conversation. But there are many instances in his life where he's speaking to his father. So for example, we see, وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ آزَرَ أَتَتَّخِذُ أَصْنَامًا آلِهًا And this is in Surah An'am. Ibrahim salam said to his father, that do you take these idols as your Lord? إِنِّي أَرَاكَ وَقَوْمُكَ Indeed, I see you and your people in clear misguidance. That's the end of that story there. I mean, that's the end of the discussion that he had with his father. And then you come in the 17th Jews in Surah uh, Al-Anbiya, Allah says, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ رُشْدَهُ مِنْ قَبْلُ وَكُنَّا بِهِ عَالِمِ إِذْ قَالَ لِأَبِيهِ وَقَوْمِهِ مَا هَذِهِ التَّمَافِيرُ الَّتِي Then Ibrahim again, now in the 17th Jews, Allah says that Ibrahim spoke to his father and the people simultaneously. He spoke to all of them. He said, what's going on? Why are you guys worshipping the idols? So one, two. And then we find also in Surah Al-A'am that Ibrahim he climbs the mountain. You guys know the famous story? فَلَمَّا جَنَّ عَلَيْهِ اللَّيْلُ When the night settled in, he saw the stars. قَالَ هَذَا رَبِّي That this is my Lord. And then what happened to the stars in the morning? They disappeared. Now why is he looking into the stars? Because what religion did they follow? They also worshipped stars. So that's where he started. 
He said, okay, if the stars aren't my Lord and they, they disappear in the morning, he's using basic logic. If they disappear in front of me, and um, now someone can counter-argue and say, but we can't see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Can someone counter-argue that? What is, why is Ibrahim alayhi salam not worshipping the stars? Because he says, La afilin. I don't like that which sets away, which is gone. So he's saying, I can't worship the, uh, the stars because I can't see them. I can't worship the moon because it goes missing. I can't worship the sun because my eyes can't see it. But then how does he come to a conclusion that he can worship Allah then? Because doesn't the same argument apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well? Are you guys understanding my argument or no? Yes or no? It's clear, okay? He says no to the stars, sun, and moon for a reason. And doesn't that same argument apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well? At the end of it? Apparently it does. But it doesn't actually. The reason why it doesn't apply is because Ibrahim alayhi salam comes to a community who worship the stars and the idols. Therefore, they worship something that's physical. Something tangible. And Ibrahim salam's argue here, argument here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not tangible. Allah is not a, something stuck to a place in time. Like your stars, they're stuck to a place. If you believe the stars are the ones that save you, then where are they gone during the daytime? You understand the argument? If you believe the idol is the one that saves you, but what happens to the idol when it's not there? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my argument, the argument doesn't apply because I don't believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is limited to a place in time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is everywhere at all times. Which means that He is always going to be there whether it's day or night, and that's the Allah that I'm going to worship. You guys understand the argument, the counter-argument that can be given that He provides? Now, when does this incident occur? Of Him looking into the stars, the moon, and the sun. Muhammad ibn Ishaq says that this occurred when he was 15 years old. And then he himself also says that it is stated that this occurred when he was 7 years old. And some scholars say this happened when he was 17 years old. 15, 7, and 17. Okay. Now depending on what age he was, you can then decide what part of his life this occurs in. What we do know is that he was young when this incident occurred. Therefore, if you look at the ages, 7, 15, and 17, he's still kind of like in his teenage. 7 is younger, but he's still in that teenage phase, young guy. And that's when these questions are going to come. That's when the desire is going to come. And the truth is, that's when the potential of an individual presents itself the first time. And there are those parents who will just pass it up and leave it. And then there are those parents who are going to maximize on it. That I see potential, and I'm going to make the most out of my son's or my daughter's potential. Ibrahim salam had potential. And he comes. And now when Ibrahim salam was looking at the stars, the moon and the sun, he first looks at the stars, and the stars disappear in the day. He says, that's not my Lord. I don't like those that disappear. He then sits again at nighttime. He sees the moon. The moon is much bigger than the stars because it's closer, even though the moon is not a star. But it's much bigger. He says, okay, this is my Lord. In the morning it goes missing. Then he looks at the sun during the daytime, which is a star, and it's so large and huge and providing so much heat. And then at nighttime it disappears. He said, this is not my Lord either. And then at the end of it he says, I turn my faith to the creator of the skies and the earth. Um, I turn my face to the creator of the skies and the earth. Hanifa, um, pure of any, any, any deviances, and I'm not a disbeliever. I'm not one who holds partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the question that I have is this. When this incident occurred of him looking into the creation, was he alone or was he with people? Some scholars say he was alone, which means it was a personal reflection. 
Other scholars, they say it wasn't a personal reflection. The personal reflection actually happened in the ayah earlier on. وَكَذَلِكَ نُرِي إِبْرَاهِيمَ مَلَكُوتَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضُ وَلِيَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُوكِنِينَ وَلِيَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُوكِنِينَ You know that personal reflection I talked about earlier on? That was already done. This right here was actually him reflecting but in the presence of people. He wasn't alone. There were people there. And he asked them, who is your Lord? They said, the stars. He said, oh, the stars are gone. Who's your Lord now? They said, the moon. He said, oh, look, where's your Lord gone now? He said, who's your Lord now? They said, the sun. And he said, look, where's your Lord gone now? And at the end of the argument, he said to these people, that you know what? You guys can stick to your stars, moon, and sun. He said, I'm clear of your impurities. And then what happened is people got angry and they argued back. That's why in the next verse of Surah Al-A'am, what does the Quran say? Wahajahu Qawmu. His people started arguing with him. And he said to them, Are you arguing with me regarding a matter because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided me? Now this is Ibrahim alayhi salam inviting people towards Islam. Now after he invites people towards Islam, time comes in Ibrahim alayhi salam's life where he decides to invite his father. I was originally planning to cover the invitation to his father in this class, but if I cover it, I feel that I might end up rushing through it, and I don't want to rush through it. I want to take my time and cover the details of the story of Ibrahim alayhi salam so we can understand the intricacies and the details, you know, the smaller points that are important to understand when studying the stories of the prophets. So we'll end our class here. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us tawfiq to understand and practice. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabi ajma'een. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.